Welcome to The Land of Aru, a fan cast of Carcerum the Series, presented by the American Council for the Blind, Sunday edition with Anthony, and supported by Shane Salk Productions. Welcome, welcome, welcome to In the Land of Aru. I am your host, Anthony Corona, as always here with Shane Salk, and this is a Carcerum fan cast, fan podcast. We'll be talking with Natasha, one of the stars, and tonight is her introductory episode. We'll be talking with her a little bit about her life, her career, and what it was like to be a part of Carcerum. Shane, how's it going? It's going well. It rained here in L.A. this week, and I'm always in love when that happens, so it's going well. (laughs) What a great intro that you put together for us. Am I correct in saying that that was Bill's voice? That was Bill's voice. He's also the announcer in Carcerum. So uh, when we were doing this, I had him jump in the booth and I said, we need to do something good. So do it. (laughs) Well, I've got two questions for you once we uh, listen to the episode. But um, refresh memory for folks out there. Where did we leave off in the land of Aru? So... Um, Aura and Kevin were at sh- in Shadowrun at the at the uh, Lord's Throne pub, and a fight broke out um, with Vorloff and Conrad, and it was good vigils versus bad vigils, but you're not sure who's which and what's what. Uh, and then Aura and Kevin ran away, and Aura was upset she ran, but Kevin had stolen the prophecy off the wall, and now they're on their way to, uh, they think they're outside the front door of Godric's aunt. And they have, don't they have a second amulet now, too? Uh, they have, uh, they they have one amulet, but they, they found the same crest on the front door that they're standing at right now. So that's what that's. That's what it was. Okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, this is the first episode that I am listening to, um, no pun intended, but blindly. Um, I had listened to <laughs> the first six episodes, and then when we decided we were going to do this, I said, okay, well, I want to experience it along with the audience. So I'm really excited for tonight. And Jeff, whenever you're ready, let's dive into episode seven. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description. Well, that was an interesting episode. <laughs> you are listening to In the Land of Aru, a Carcerum fan cast. I'm your host, Anthony Corona. And if you are out there listening on ACB Media and you'd like to join us with questions or comments, use the Sunday edition link on this post or any Sunday edition post. It will bring you to the room. And we'll be getting to some questions a little bit later on. But first, Shane, are you still around? I am always around. <laughs> All right. Our first question came. Uh, we had two questions that came via email this week. Our first question came from Mike. And Mike went back and listened to all, all five of the previous episodes. He listened to six last week with us. Um, and he wanted to know, you spoke to us about how you created Carcerum. And a little bit about, you know, putting the world together and brainstorming and so on and so forth. But we never actually asked you, what was the initial inspiration or the initial burst of um, idea for Car Serum? Hoy. Um, well, I had, uh, honestly, I was playing some video games uh, years and years ago. And I got into my head these, these, uh, these video games and it was these fantasy 
video games, and I was thinking how cool it would be to have sort of backstories for characters. Um, that never transpired. I kind of tried to talk to some companies about going, hey, you know, you have this, you know, intellectual property, these characters, you should be telling these stories out, out outside of, of your game. And there were some people that were interested, but it never came. And from that, I just kept getting, um, you know, this idea of a fantasy show. I'd never really done, you know, I haven't made my own fantasy show. And I love the idea of world building. And so from that inspiration of sort of this fantasy world, of these video games came this long pursuit of what ended up being car serum, um, which is nothing like the, you know, the video games and such like that. Um, but that was sort of the, the initial spark was, was this idea of like, well, I love this fantasy idea. I love, I love the idea of, of building these worlds. Um, I won't say like, I like fantasy. I like Lord of the Rings, Princess Bride, you know, uh, Harry Potter. I like all those things, but I won't say that I, you know, as a child, I didn't read a lot of fantasy necessarily. Um, but I love worlds that don't exist that I've physically been to. So that's, that's kind of where the, the, the premise came from of, of what ended up being Carcerum. All right, and our second question is from Jane, who's been with us a few times as well, and she wanted to know from the, you know, from the point where the 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 script is fully written, how long does it actually take to to get a finished episode done? <laughs> and maybe you do a couple at a time or something, but whatever the process. Yeah, so we do we did Carcerum a little differently. We from the time we finished the script to the time we finished the very last episode was over a year. Um, but we recorded characters and, and people individually. So, and the, and you have to remember the pandemic started as well. So yeah. we kind of had to put hold on a lot of stuff with recording and trying to figure out how we were going to release and when we were going to release. Um, so, I mean, uh, we recorded in characters individually. So we would do, you know, a day of aura and she would come into the, the recording studio and we would get through as many episodes as possible. Sometimes it was one, sometimes it was two, depending on how much time we had. So it took a long time to get through all of the different characters. And we would go from episode one and on just so, because we started releasing episodes before the final episodes were done and recorded so that was very stressful um but you know uh it could take it could take a you know it definitely took a few hours to record uh each episode and depending on how many lines that character had um and then depending on how complex the episode was it would take me anywhere from you know six hours to two days to design an episode then we would send it to Tim McEwen, who we heard in uh, episode three of this, I think. And he would take a day to sort of mix master the whole thing. Then we would do notes with him. Um, and that would take, you know, a couple hours one day and then he'd go and fix other stuff. And then we'd take that, send it to Dave Volpe, who we talked to doing all the music. And he would take however long it took him to do the music, which would be a day or so. And along with his other stuff. So 
each episode took a while to do, but uh, I can't say no. It took absolutely this amount of time because a lot of it depended on how many actors were in that episode, how long the episode was, and how complex the design. Wow. I, I'm sure at least it, it gave you some, um, you know, purpose during pandemic. A lot of folks, you know, in the industry, uh, you know, their livelihoods were stopped, you know, cold turkey for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, depending on, you know, situations theater, you know, only came back recently. Yeah. So, I mean, it kept us in busy. that one. It kept us busy, which was a, a blessing. Um, I mean, we, the studio itself, we started less than a year before the pandemic hit. So we stopped being Oof. able to have clients and, and reach out and sort of the voiceover industry stopped for a while because nobody was quite sure how long it was going to last. And then it came back full force remotely and it's changed so dramatically, but um, it was a blessing to have something to at least focus on and work on, even if it wasn't, you know, paying us a bunch of money all the time. Well, before you go, I love the bio that you provided for us that everybody can read in the uh, in the invitation for tonight's program, and it'll be in the show notes. But why don't you introduce Natasha for us? Natasha is my favorite. I don't mean <laughs> actress. I just mean just as a being. Um, she has been around. Uh, she's known Bill Holmes for, for many, many years, but please don't hold that against her. Um <laughs> I, you know, I, there's there's very little I could say about Natasha that you won't under that you're not going to yourself feel in the first five minutes of talking to her. So she's she's from Chicago. She's done theater. She's done improv. She's she's a better explanator of herself than I am. But you'll see what I mean. Gosh. Yeah. Well, I've definitely got a couple of questions ready, but um, welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition Presents uh, in association with Shane Salt Productions in the land of Peru. That is really the <laughs> longest title I've heard in a long time. What fun. <laughs> what fun, definitely. So I ask everybody, you know, to give us a little slice of their life. You know, where did you grow up and, and what, you know, drove you towards the business and anything interesting you think we should know about, you know, your journey? Well, I, I, am, uh, I come from a, a, an Irish-German family uh, from Chicago. I'm a seventh-generation Chicagoan. I'm the only daughter of a set of parents who had five children, so I have four brothers. There's 17 years between the oldest and the youngest. I was brought up the center of the football team, and, um, and we, we played. We, we, we were just, we played nonstop, all day long, every day. And I think that was something of an impetus to get into, into theater. My mother had been a, a radio actress. Um, my oldest brother, who's a decade older than I, already knew he wanted to be in the performing arts. He was an actor and then a stage manager, then a producer and a director. Um, one of my younger brothers uh, is a, a techie in the theater, retired now. Um, so it, that was kind of how theater started. I was, went to school in Boston. I uh, wanted initially to do stand-up. And I started working with my clothes on as the only person on stage wearing clothes in burlesque houses which were actually strip clubs uh, in Boston in something that was called the Combat Zone. And from stand-up comedy, I then um, 
finished training uh, in theater. I was in France studying mime. I eventually made a living as an actress in Chicago and New York and touring the country in regional theaters. That's enough. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I have to go back to the burlesque for, for a uh, moment or two. Please do. Please do. It's the most fun. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a big fan of burlesque myself. Um, I've, I've seen some amazing productions and I've seen some really, really bad productions. Um, my, my, my experience, please, you have to understand, was really bad. I, I worked with women who, who worked with snakes. Um, uh, I worked with women who took their clothes off and there were baggy pants comedians who told just grim grim pieces of, of humor. And I kept burlesque houses open in Boston. Boston had passed um, obscenity laws. And the obscenity laws really came down to, was it of socially redeeming value? I was hired to keep that show from closing. Wow. So I walked on stage dressed uh, really in a costume that seriously mimicked Alice in Wonderland and told ever so mightily double entendre stories about growing up the center of the football team in Chicago. Wow. Uh, can you give us like maybe a minute piece of whatever you might remember from the act? So um, my first date occurred, we did family performs in the house. We had just done Goldie Rocks and the Four Hoods. I actually was Goldie Rocks. My brothers were the Four Hoods. Oh, it had been a big secret that my mother and I had kept that there was some poor boy coming to the door. He, uh, I was dismissed from the applause section of my two parents, changed my clothes, came back in. My mother coordinated the boys all heading to their rooms while I came back to the dining room for the doorbell to ring for... Uh, Barry to come up three flights of stairs to the third floor apartment and say, how do you do? And as we turned to leave to make our great escape, my four brothers arrived, uh, like stepping stones from the oldest Christopher to the youngest Sam, all with their makeup still on, which were painted on mustaches and painted on black eyes, all with their arms folded under their bare chests, with Christopher saying, I don't like the way he looks. Ricky's saying he doesn't look like much of an athlete. Steven's saying I don't like him, and Sam kicking him in the shins. <laughs> awesome. So mime, theater, comedy, you know, and now carcerum, you 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 have a, a wealth of, of a resume. What oh, I'm, do very, you, what I'm, do you... I'm very old, darling. I'm very old. <laughs> <laughs> what do you enjoy doing the most? the most you know they they all have very interesting and captivating aspects improv is is thrilling to be able to invent on your feet stand-up comedy is just a thrill ride you stand up there and people are either going to you know spit up on their shoes or stand up and cheer um theater you know drama you you say a line and you're breathless the whole evening to find out if anybody's left in the theater and will applaud at the end comedy you know moment to moment if your line delivered well or landed that you you try to create a world with your voice and the character you're doing each of them has a very satisfying uh, aspect of to its incarnation have you ever got to marry most of it together in one project? You know, isn't that fun? Uh, no, I don't. I I don't think I have. I've, I've certainly drawn on all of those aspects for every single one of them. 
Um, but no, I don't think I've ever been uh, really with something that that really got all of them rolled together. That's oh, that's such a lovely idea to look forward to. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope you find that. Um, tell us a lot about mime. I think people are always interested in mime and and. You know, I, I always think to to the old kind of parodies of, of you know, the palace guards and things, um, <laughs> you know, and the mime off in the corner and, and folks yes. trying to, you know, get the mime to finally speak or, or to break the. Tell us a little bit about doing mime. Um, I, I graduated from Loyola University in Chicago and they had had a mime company and um, our teacher, a gentleman named Bud Beyer, had um connections to Etienne de Cru, who had actually taught Marcel Marceau. And Marceau wow. came through town with a show. We invited him and he very kindly came and taught us a master class, which was just thrilling. Um, I uh, had been part of that that um, in, in school and then um, went off to Paris and spent um, 10 weeks three and a half months, three and a half months maybe, um, studying with De Crew, um, who at that point in time was working on legs because he just divided the body and would spend months and months and months and months working on those muscles and the control of, of them. Um, and yeah, so I, I did that. And then, of course, that's just so lucrative. One just makes piles of money. <laughs> <laughs> being able to do that. So when I came back to the States, um, I was, I just was just rolling in guilt and just, yeah. So that sort of ended pretty much the day the plane landed and um, haven't really had to use it since uh, other than it was, it's, it's a great way to, you know, figure out how to actually, you know, as an actor, you've really, you've got uh, a very finite set of tools. Your, your, you know, your voice and your body are the actual physical tools. Then hopefully you've got a skillful enough brain to keep control of them enough to be able to accomplish whatever task is in front of you. But um, yeah, no, the mime, mime hasn't, hasn't been a big yeah, moneymaker portion of the career. <laughs> What's been the hardest thing for you to tackle? You know what? I, I had done some voice work when I when I first graduated from from college. My brother was al my oldest brother was already working uh, in New York and I went to visit him and he he palmed me off as a um, a model and um, as a, and as a voice was because my my voice um, had an even lower register um, than it does now. Um, and I I there was a Buick commercial. Um, back in 19... And I, I, I did this slinking around the Buick commercial while the gorgeous creature in a very, very slinky red dress caressed most lasciviously the Buick that was on the floor. I provided her voice because she sounded like, you know, um, Jean Hagen from, uh, you know, I can't even think of the film. You know, um, what is it? Singing in the rain, but I looking like a looking. I, I kind of looked once upon a time like Jodie Foster, but with a voice down here, and so I did the slinky voice um, as the magnificent Jean Hagen sounding model slunk around the Buick. Uh, so 
that was the only voice work I'd ever done. Doing this job really is, is I, I've done bits and pieces. I've done some commercial work in Chicago. I did a little bit when I, my husband and I moved to Los Angeles, but really not a great deal. And certainly not a character as full-blown as this, as Elizabeth has the luxury of being. So doing voice work really, I, I, particularly for a podcast and I'm, and for video games and the like, trying to do all that f physical, you know, to your point earlier, trying to do all the physical stuff so that somebody can actually hear the environment was a, was a real serious, was a real serious challenge. I think of myself as being quick on my feet, ready with a repartee, ready to figure out and problem solve. And I really, I sat there and went, I'm supposed to sound like I'm climbing onto what? And then it's going to fly. And it really, I, I had wonderful, wonderful director, my dear friend, Bill Holmes, and a very patient, um, you know, technician making it all come together in, in Shane. And, and I, was able to really use them because I I could be clever enough to ask a question that might point me into being able to do better. And then they babysat me through the whole thing too. So, so, but the, I think maybe what I've just done most recently here with these guys may have been certainly a more surprising challenge than I certainly thought it was going to be. I'm sure they gave you the rundown of, of, you know, building layer by layer, you know, the world itself, building layer by layer, you know, the episodes be between the sound mixing, et cetera. But when you finally heard, you know, this episode being your, your first appearance, possibly your only, we don't know yet, but hopefully not. Um, when you finally heard it, is it, is it even close to what you imagined it to be when you were recording? Oh, hell no. No, no, because, <laughs> because I, 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 you know, all of the, all of the really serious magic and freaking hard work that goes into to putting that all together. The intellectual exercise is an intellectual exercise. Um, but when you actually have that auditory thing going into your brain, it's a, it's a very different thing. R reading anything on a page, you know, if you've got a lovely vivid imagination and you understand the possibilities that exist, still have all your filters attached. So to, to have those separated enough that you are now permitting only the sound to occur, that's, that's just thrilling. That's just thrilling. So no, it was a very big surprise. I, I was thunderstruck that I, that, that I thought I had, I, I had not thought that I had been a, a wild success. I really thought that they had had to babysit me nonstop through my recording sessions of episode seven here. So to hear it come together really so well was, was very exciting because I was just really pleased with what I had done, um, particularly as a, as, a, as a novice, as I felt I was in, in putting this together for somebody else. Um, but, the, but that they had made it all sound so honking good was just, yeah, that was, that was very exciting. I'm sure you debated in your mind for a while how you wanted to, you know, to voice her, how you wanted her to, to you know, the final product of sound to, to be. What, what did you draw on in your head as you were creating, you know, Elizabeth? Well, I, I try to think of, of, of really, I, I think voices wind up coming out of people's lives. It's kind of like the face you have at 21 is, you know, a gift from above. The one you have at 40, you made. The one you have at 70 is you've lived in. And it's, 
it, it, there's there's an aspect of vocal qualities that do that too. Have you smoked all your life? Have you drunk whiskey all yeah. your life? Right? Have you have you worried all your life? So there were there were aspects of trying to put that kind of a thing. How has Elizabeth led her life that is different than how I have led my life? And 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 any any time you do, you know, unless you are doing major characters, you know, Gene Hagen in in uh, Singing in the Rain, unless you're doing really that kind of a thing, you've got to be reasonably close enough to your own at least range that that you're not going to lose it. Um, you know, certainly I had to keep that in mind. You know, my technique within the medium is certainly not strong enough to be able to go, oh, let's really shift into a really lovely upper register and not think that it was going to drop at some point, which is just going to make life harder for people trying to make it sound good. You know, so I, I've asked this of, of all of the voice talents that have come on so far. Um, in my head, I, I sort of pictured Elizabeth as an older Jean Stapleton. I had seen her in a couple of those fairy tale theater mm-hmm, productions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and she always played the crotchety kind of witchy character. The voice doesn't quite match, but that's that's the visual that my head created. How did you see Elizabeth? Well, not 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 unsimilarly, really. Yeah. You know, um, I, I thought she I thought she had um, bad hair. That was really a very big deal for me, uh, and um, I thought she had the the tiniest bit of a of a witch's hump going, only because I wanted her to be just a just an I, I, I wanted her to be. I don't think I sound as old as I am, so I wanted her to sound an eyelash older than I am. And go ahead, you can guess how old you think I am, and I'll I'll fess up and tell you. Oh, I don't want to play that game. Oh, come on, <laughs> come on. Fun. Oh, you're an angel. So I'm 70, and I God wanted her to, I wanted her to sound an an eyelash older. So there was there was that aspect to it. So that I you know thought about how the breathing might go differently and all those kinds of funny things. Anyway, so I had her hair. I had this little teeny bit of a, a, a rounding of the shoulders. Um, and but otherwise, I had her actually fairly muscular because I figure she's by herself, so she's you know she's she's chopping wood and she's hauling water and. Um, yeah. And she eats well. She eats well. So she weighs a little more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now tell us about the bird dog. Um, that had to be interesting. Did you have anything to play off of with that? No. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you see the bird dog in your head as well? (laughs) Well, you know what? I I actually, uh, right about that time, I had been rewatching again Harry Potter stuff. So I really, I thought of it as a phoenix, really. But but I think so, actually. Bigger, 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 a little bigger, a little fatter, kind of a little more substantial through the body, but with that magnificent wingspan. so yeah, I, I really I had kind of a phoenix in mind, and then maybe kind of I I, I think I had a I think I had a, a, a the their uh, peacocks have them. They're kind of the little crown that goes out the back. I wanted a little crown out the back on the on on yeah the authonic. I don't think I could say it again. I had to ask them to say it for me fourteen times so I'd get it right. Atholagus. I can't remember. Atholagus. I think it is. <laughs> So a lot of our folks, um, you know, are interested in in the voice medium where we're all blind or low vision. Um, and when we had Bill, and I've asked this to to all of the voice talents as well, when we had Bill on, he really spoke about improv, which I believe mm. um, I'm a writer by trade. Um, ah. But 
improv helps you with your body. It helps you with thinking on your feet and, and just the whole, it's a beautiful dance. If you're, if you're in a good improv group or company or, you know, setting, it's, it's really a beautiful dance, you know, playing off of each other and things. What are some other things that, that you'd suggest to folks that wants, that really want to do good voice work? I, I, you, I have, I think you have to think of your voice as a muscle. And, and I think it's really important to learn how to breathe properly. Um, I, for instance, was, um, I was born with nodes on my vocal cords. So as a, a child, I was called Tulu because I had, you know, I'm, I'm 19 months old and I'm talking like I need to, or to be ordering whiskey. Um, and <laughs> they, they were going to operate and um, to remove the nodes because the thought was, well, it's a growth. It could become cancerous, blah, 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 blah. And my mother had said, you know, this is a very verbal child. And... <laughs> I just don't think she can be quiet for the, and it, at that point in time, months and months after the operation that you had to be quiet. So she, clever creature that she was, figured out that if I learned to breathe properly, instead of the reason they stayed was I was breathing wrong. I'd take a breath, I'd breathe out, and then I'd continue to talk. So I was exacerbating the problem that existed. Gasp. So if I learned how to breathe properly and to support my voice, then perhaps these would start to dissipate in some way, shape, or form. So they never completely disappeared, but there was no more growth. There was no more calcification, blah, 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 blah. So it's an instrument. You need to work on the physical aspects of supporting the instrument. I, I think that's a very big deal. And how do you, how do you become someone like Elizabeth? Do you have routines or rituals that that get you into becoming a character? Well, I, I always write myself um, for for any character that I've that I've played. I've oh, I I just find writing my history just a fun acting exercise. I learned it in in college. I've found it it entertaining. I've gotten lazy about it over the years, and instead of writing it, record it. But I tell myself stories uh, improvisationally about what my life was like. She refers to her life in a number of instances. So I went, oh my gosh, I've got a sister. Hot freaking damn that's just gonna be lovely i i i invented stories for myself about my family and and what that was about i uh invented what my bedroom looked like um i invented um the 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 details of the separation from when her younger sister is taken from her um and i i invented uh, the men she was interested in and chose not to have be part of her life. I thought that was sort of an exercise for myself that worked. Um, so yeah, I, I, I came up with, a, with lots of backstory so that there was a, a sense of familiarity of my being in my skin. So I'm, I'm not asking this for any kind of spoiler alert kind of thing, but in your backstory, did you, do you think Elizabeth had some magic? Oh, I, I, I think she had... I think she had great empathy. My backstory created enormous empathy for magic, a great deal of interest in it, and a teeny bit of jealousy about it as well, because unlike her sister, she was not, uh, her, her magic was about love and kinship, and it wasn't about execution. Wow. 
that's that's cool. That's very cool. Um, would would you play for us a little bit? If I throw you out a couple of character ideas, will you build a, a quick voice for it? Oh, I'll sure as heck try. Yes, sir. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I like to have fun with these. These are these are um in the land of improvs. So how about? A really, really old crone who's arguing with her A Lady device. Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, we've had this discussion before and I don't want to have it again, but if you can't manage to listen to me clearly and precisely, there's no problem with how I speak the language, but there sure is the Dickens a problem with the way you follow my instructions. How is it you can't simply repeat stop when I say stop? <laughs> awesome. All right. Number two, a Shirley Temple-esque six-year-old girl takes a really big lick of a magic lollipop and finds herself 36. Oh, uh, thank you so much for that, Laura. Papa, I just cannot tell you how much I, I can't wait to take a taste of this. It's going... Holy Christmas tree. Now that's a little flavor that one could get used to, isn't it? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Give us your version of one of those um, those forever going on and on side effects pharmaceutical commercials. I, you know what, darling boy? I have no idea what you're referencing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You know the commercials where you know it. Tell those me, tell me. happy people, those happy people that are doing wonderful things when they take the pharmaceutical, and oh. then in the last thirty seconds, they're giving you you know forty things that are going to go wrong with you if you take. Oh, the if you take the medication. Oh golly. Okay. Um, let's see. So all I can tell you is that the magic thing about taking Flumpty Dump is that you just are permanently happy, and I just can't tell you how happy I am. Now, one little caveat to be aware of is you could um, lose your thumbnails, you could um, have your kneecaps fall off, and I have to tell you that your, your, your hips, this is the really good part, they go down about seven and a half inches, which is fine, but it means every article of clothing that you own from the waist down is going to fall to the frickin' ground as soon as you take a step forward. Awesome. Thank you for being so <laughs> Thank you for being playful with us. <laughs> Perfectly right. happy to. I don't feel I don't I don't feel I landed the gig, but the, okay, okay. So long as you enjoyed yourself, that that really will be yummy for me. I will ask you two more questions, and in the meantime, Herbie, um, right after those two questions, we will start opening it up for anyone who's listening. Um, question, question number one. I ask everybody as well. Your dream project. It could be a remake. It could be a book that's never been produced. Any, what is your dream project? I, I would. I. I want to do a one-woman show of being Elaine Stritch. Now the. Oh God, yes. The problem is she sings, and and I can clear a room singing "Happy Birthday." So I'm thinking I'm I'm gonna have to get back into voice lessons of some kind or other. But yeah, that would be my dream project. I would do. I would do a one-woman show being Elaine Stritch. Wow. All right. And if you could go back and change one thing, one project, one choice you've made, what would it be? Oh, 
You know what? I I just give you the easy out. I, I've been so fortunate in everything I've done. I I, I even even when I got fired um, in front of forty five other actors, it, you know they've they've all been really. What would I change? What would I change? What would I change? You know what? I got I got offered work in New York uh, two years before I graduated from college, and my my parents said. <laughs> Yes, again. No, you're finishing. <laughs> and um, I'd, I, yeah, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have defied them and um, said, nope, I'm, I'm heading. I got the gig. I'm heading for New York. And I'd have, I'd have gone off to New York. At uh, the problem was, I was, I was, I was 18. I was pretty young. And um, yeah, but I'd have done that. Cool. Um, who has? Who is our first hand? Kalindra. Hi, Kalindra. Welcome yes. back. Uh, first of all, uh, is it Latasha? I really love your voice. And <laughs> <laughs> thank um, you. Thank you're you. You're welcome. And I wanted to ask you um, a question. I probably ask this of a lot of people that I've encountered with, but if you're away from the entertainment industry, um, do you like to read or listen to different sorts of music? I, I am a voracious reader. I, um, I've always lived with people who have a grand passion about music, so I've got very eclectic, but no depth of knowledge about um, music you know, categories and the like. Um, my husband was a, a brilliant jazzophile. Um, my college best friends all were interested in contemporary music at that point in time. I'm stuck on Sirius FM. Everything's in the 70s grouping, so that goes from like the 50s through Broadway tunes. But I read, I, I read probably more than almost anybody I know. I, I probably read about three books a week. All wow. right, I'm going to follow up on Kalindra's. How are you anyway? You don't even sound like your age. <laughs> You're my new best friend, <laughs> darling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kalindra. I'm going to follow up on hers by asking, in the last year, what three books really got you? Oh, well, there's a really wonderful, fun fantasy one called The 10,000 Doors of January. <gasps> yes. <laughs> I, I love that. I've just adored that. And um, the the secret lives of trees, I found just fascinating. Um, science. There's a couple of people who work right in science, and I, this is I can't remember the bloody author's name. I'm sorry, but the secret life of trees, perfectly brilliant, lovely, lovely, lovely thing. And then I'm I'm always I've got detective novels. Anybody and everybody's detective novels. Louise Penny is is one I'm plowing through all of her stuff and her magnificent um, Canadian um, police detective uh, inspector. Oh, you know, I, I look at words yeah. like you know pictograms. Grimanche, Grimanche. I, 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 I'm going to massacre it. I'm sorry. Kinot. <laughs> is that is that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, those those are three I can tell you I've thoroughly enjoyed. Have you um have you taken a look at her uh co-authorship with Hillary Clinton? I have not. 
Yeah, it came out like maybe three or four months ago. I just downloaded it the other day, but I am in the middle of a Case Scarpetta, the newest Case Scarpetta novel by um, Patricia Cornwell. So when I'm done with that, I'm back on to Louise Penny. All right, Herbie, who's next? <laughs> we currently do not have any raised hands at this time. All right. If you are out there, I'm going to vamp with Natasha for a few more minutes. If you're out there with a question or comment, please hit the Sunday edition link and join us. All right. And Anthony, um, uh, I, yes. if people can't find that link on uh, the Sunday edition posts, you can always go to carcerumtheseries.com, find the tab that says the land of Aru, and there's a button there that says join the audience. Uh, you know, you remind me of this every week, and I, I must have a mental block <laughs> because every week I tell myself before the show starts, I'm going to say it. Don't um, worry about right. it. I am the epitome of a mental block as a person, so I understand. <laughs> Natasha, yeah. who is your favorite character in Car Serum? I'll We've take only this done one, seven Natasha. episodes. I'll tell you who her favorite character. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's Kevin. We know it's Kevin. It's, I, I I don't know how you knew. It was just so clever of you. You know what? Um, who is my favorite character? Um. Yeah, you know what? I don't. I don't know that I've actually picked out an out. I I, I kind of like Anne a lot, actually. I don't think you've met Anne yet. Um. Yeah, no, I got I got nothing for you, hun. Got you got some people coming up, but I don't I don't want to drop names before they're there. So of of who you've had before, you know, actually of who you've seen before me uh, now appearing in episode seven, I, I actually I would say Kevin dog nabbit. But I yeah, I'd say Kevin. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy Kevin brings, you know, the the lighthearted, the the, you know, bumbling boy that you just want a route to win for. But um. Uh, Kevin, uh, Shane, <laughs> forget me because, <laughs> because character the character name is eluding me. But um, the the boss lady who cut off hands. What was her? What was the character name? Mel. Mel. Short right. for Melanie. Yeah. So before you came along, <laughs> before Elizabeth came along, my favorite character up to this point. Well, I mean, I love Kevin, but my favorite character was Mel. But now. Until the next episode, at least. Felicia is my favorite character. <laughs> ah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lovely. <laughs> what was the hardest part about about this whole project? Oh, absolutely. It, truly, every single physicality that I had to vocalize was difficult for me. I was, I just was not good at the, you know, grunting standing up and the grunting sitting down and, you know, the, the, the finding this, the finding that, the looking for that, the, the, you know, the walking through the forest. I'm telling you, I just stink at all of that stuff. And I, you know, uh, again, I, I had brilliant babysitters who kept saying, oh, well, just take a step forward. I mean, literally lower yourself a little bit. Can't go past the microphone, of course, Natasha, but lower yourself. So I had people really seriously coaching me through through that. And um, um, I, I, I really, I felt very badly about that going through it because I felt they were really expending enormous amounts of energy 
trying to help me do what I should be able to have realized and to have planned for and to have been prepped sufficiently to deliver. And every 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 time it happened I had to do that kind of stuff, I'd be going, um, could we just take a moment for my brain to catch up with my body and get me a fighting chance of being able to do what I need to do here? So, yeah, physicality, vocalizing physicality. Yep, 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 yep. Well, going back through your bio, um, can you tell us a little bit what it's like to start a theater company? Oh, um, you know what? It's 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 thrilling. The the shoestring theater, which was what it was called, um, we got a a dollar loan from the city of Haverhill in um, Massachusetts, uh, which is about five miles from the New Hampshire border, give or take, um, right outside of the town uh, where I was going to school, and. We started a children's theater. There were uh, six of us young women, and every child produced, directed, built the sets, built the costumes, did the makeup, created the sound effects for every piece of theater that they did, and they wrote all original pieces. And the six of us would guide people. This is how you use a hammer. This is how you sew you know, a needle and thread. We gave lessons and then they did it. It was just, it was thrilling. It was just thrilling. And it lasted for about six or seven. I can't quite remember now. Six or seven years after after the six of us left school. So that was pretty cool. Wow. And what has been your, you know, your most thrilling experience in theater? You know, the very, my very first um Union job was I was uh, uh, in a production of El Grande de Coca-Cola in Boston, and um, I played a character called Maria, which is one of the daughters of Papa, um, and it, it 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 was it was just it was great fun. I initially understudied Carla DeVito, um, wow. uh, who was married to um, oh sugar cakes. Let's see, what is that boy's name? Oh, that's really embarrassing. Anyway, uh, she she had uh, sung with Meatloaf, um, and then she'd been on Broadway with um, in um, Pirates of Penzance, um, which is where she met her husband, who had been a young man actor. Oh my God! Please, Carla, don't be listening tonight. Um, anyway, <laughs> so it was great fun listening, uh, uh, having understudied her, um, and then being able to step into it and get my union contract. And, and that really, uh, and it was at the cabaret at the Charles Playhouse. And um, in the evenings, uh, I listened to Jay Leno do stand-up. And um, uh, before his show went on, our show went on. And it was, yeah, that was that was just really very, very exciting. Yep. Awesome. Very, very first thing I did. Wow. Well, I, I definitely, um, you know, I, I've experienced color a few in a few different ways, but I'm a huge meatloaf fan. So you just give yeah. me another little thrill. <laughs> well, Natasha, I would I, like to think, go ahead. I just was, I was going to say it's, I, I didn't sing happy birthday. I'm sorry. I cleared the room. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening out on the radio, you know, on ACP media who are enjoying this conversation. I'd like to thank you so much for coming. I really hope that we see a little bit more of Elizabeth. And if we do, I'd love for you to come back and, and talk again. 
Thank you so much for coming tonight. (laughs) It was really great fun. I'm so pleased I was able to. Shane, as always, thank you. Jeff, Herbie, thank you so much. If you have any questions for Shane or uh, Natasha, a.k.a. Elizabeth, any of our past guests, you are welcome to send them to sundayeditionac at gmail.com. Or you can hit the links on Carcerum, the series, either under the Land of Our Roots tab or, you know, the contact Shane kind of thing. And if you send him or you send I questions, we will definitely hit them on the air next week or the following week or whenever you send them in. But um, I will post the links to the first six episodes again tomorrow so that folks can go back and catch up or re-listen to the episodes. And we'll be back next Tuesday night. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description or search Carcerum, C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is a recording of a live show presented by the American Council for the Blind and Sunday Edition with Anthony. If you would like to be part of the live show, please follow at Carcerum the Series on social media or join the ACB mailing list by sending an email to community at acb.org. Also, be sure to check out the podcast Sunday Edition with Anthony on your favorite podcasting platform. For more information about Carcerum, go to carcerumtheseries.com.